thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. So two of our stories that are coming up this week that we are focusing on come from the country of Nigeria. Now, on the line, we have Fade Onguro, who is an entrepreneur, and she's a founder of a project called BookingsAfrica.com. Fade, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good morning. So, Fade, obviously, before we even go there, I think uh, the big story in the last 48 hours out of Nigeria is once again young schoolgirls being captured, kidnapped um, in uh, north, northern Nigeria. This must really be concerning for people in the country. It is. It's disheartening, I think, if anything. You know, we've had Chibok. Yeah, the Chibok girls. Ago, and now we're thinking that with some... Um, People like Dr. Ngozi, who are making strides as a woman in the uh, in across the continent, we feel that there should be more equality, and this has now set us back as a nation. Um, it's regressed, and it just highlights that we're still in a misogynistic society, and that's still also very unstable, where security um, should actually be uh, at the forefront of what we should be concerning ourselves as a nation. And, um, yeah, I think right now we're probably just feeling dejected and just disheartened and feeling like there's no, not enough security in the country. And how are people responding to it? I mean, you say dejected and disheartened. Do you feel that this is something that people are going to maybe go stand up, protest, try and uh, get the government to do more? I think the youth are definitely the ones who are making the most noise about it, especially on social media. I don't see the older generations really actually um, hmm. making as much of, um, you know, just showing, showing as much concern as the youth tend to be. Um, I'm not sure if the, if the, the feeling of that we're, that we, um, the feeling across the cities right now, especially Lagos and Abuja, um, I feel like everybody's a little bit um, in their shell right now. Yeah. simply because um, about a week ago, um, there was some military police um, on the streets and they were actively um, making sure that nobody could protest. Hmm. Um, and this wasn't, this wasn't to do with this event. Um, we all know the NSAR's um, protest that happened in October. Well, apparently yeah. the government have passed that they could reopen the toll gates again. And so the youth wanted to go out to protest against this bill that was passed, that they should reopen the toll gate. Everybody thinks it should be just kept as a memorial point. Um, so the youth went out to try and protest against the reopening of the toll gate, and there was military police everywhere, and they arrested all protesters. So because of that, right now I think people are very terrified about protesting, about yeah. anything because they now feel that the people who are meant to protect them are actually going to be the ones inciting violence against them. Yeah. Fade, you talk about young people, and certainly the work that you're doing with Bookings Africa is a focus on young people and also on SMMEs. Tell us a little bit about the project that you have created. Thanks. Bookingsafrica.com is an online marketplace that basically connects clients from all over the world to service providers in Nigeria, South Africa, and in Kenya. So we operate out of those three countries. We've got service providers ranging from actors all the way to voiceover artists, accountants to counselors, um, business consultants to fitness instructors, 
So we're really focusing on the gig economy. Um, if you know, um, in Africa, 85% of all employment in Africa is actually the informal sector. Yeah. So I believe that the future of work is digital, and I believe that the future of the world is Africa. So if we're really going to harness value from the workforce and this young demography that we have on this continent, we really need to look at how to move the informal economy in, across the conveyor belt into the digital work economy. And now we've got so many barriers such as um, penetration of smartphone, um, data, access to data, access to market, and even digital literacy training. So apart from the micro issues, um, which is the low-hanging fruit of giving people access to the market and those who already have smartphones, um, allowing them to be able to get booked, there's actually also the bigger hurdles that one must overcome, which is moving the rest of that economy who don't have access to smartphones. How do we reduce and mitigate the barriers so they can actually still participate and be included in the digital economy? And we know that people who are left out of um, the, the formal economy don't have access to finance. They don't have access to a lot of um, health care. They don't have a lot of access to, to basically work benefits. Um, so how do we even include them in that economy as well? So these are all the issues from a microeconomic issue to the, to the macroeconomic issue to the micro level, just to look at how we can resolve and get the informal economy into the digital work economy. And that's bookingsafrica.com right now. So we um, are focusing on the lowest hanging fruit, of course, which is just giving people access to data, I mean, access to markets. Um, but what we're also looking at is how to provide smartphones, how to get people, especially women, give them access to finance, mm. train them on digital literacy training programs. So we're partnering with a lot of um, public-private sectors who can actually help fast-track this as well. Fade, you've got something like 8,000 registered artisans across South Africa, Nigeria and Kenya on the uh, bookingsafrica.com platform. It does then talk to what, how does the business model work? Oh, it's really simple. So it's free to sign up. It's just like, um, think of it as like uh, an Uber or an Airbnb or an Upwork for Africa. Um, it's free to sign up. Um, and once the clients book you, depending on the job, we take between 10 to 20%. Now, what is actually pretty interesting about this is artisans and service providers usually complain that they don't get paid on time, um, especially if you're working in the media industry. A lot of um, clients would pay maybe 50% deposit, and then you end up spending about two, three, four months later trying to chase up the balance. So the way it works is as a client, you make a booking. The money is held in an e-wallet, in escrow. The service provider gets an alert that they've been booked for a job. Once they accept it, the money goes into the service provider's pending account. So they don't have access to it, but they know that they've been paid 100%. Now, once the job has been ended, because you can book a service provider up to six months in advance, once that job has then been ended and completed, then the service provider immediately gets access to that, those funds minus our 10 to 20% commission. So we only get paid when the service provider gets paid. Fade, you mentioned Uber. We look at disruptive services like Uber, like Airbnb, and there is, of course, a huge critique of Uber because it does imply that there's no security in that particular position. And the the question mark then becomes, is this um, a hiring company or whatever the case may be? How are you Mm. dealing with that particular issue? 
Do you simply see yourself, for example, as a talent agent? I don't think so. Um, it's more of a marketplace that actually allows you to showcase the skill sets that you already have. Um, in the gig work economy, um, especially because it's the youth, the industry that the dollars the youth operate in, um, it's just a way of providing the, the services that they already offer, but allowing more people to have access to it. So, for example, you might be a fitness instructor, but you only have a few clients who service in your area. Now, with our platform, because we are the only platform that has a video call service, you can now get somebody, I could be a Nigerian fitness instructor or South African fitness instructor and have a client in Nigeria book and pay for you and you deliver that service end to end online simply using our video call service. Now, you would not normally have access to that client in Nigeria or in Kenya or in any other part of the world. So in actual fact, what we're doing is we're not training you on a brand new skill set, such as like being a driver. We're actually saying this is the skill set that you already have. Let's give you more access to market. Um, and we pay them upfront as well. And of course, taxing is something that we're very, um, there's a digital tax as well that we try to pay back to the government on behalf of of the service provider. So, you wouldn't um, be able to, for, you wouldn't be able to, for example, do that in South Africa and Kenya, though. In Nigeria, we're doing that. In South Africa and Kenya, because we've got their, um, the, not the national insurance number, but the identity number, we actually give it an option to say, would you like to pay um, put some money uh, towards the tax on this job or not? Um, so we give the service provider the option, especially if they make over a certain threshold, then we ask them, do you want uh, us to pay tax on your behalf? Um, and they have to opt in to say yes or no. So if they say no, then the onus is on them to ensure that they pay the taxes themselves. Because that's all part of moving people from the informal economy to the gig and then the digital work economy is to actually keep them, give them, include them in the formal economy so they have access. Because you can also access things like loans on our platform. So you now have access to finance. Um, we're partnering with a lot of companies that allow you to have access to to products such as mobile phones, um, cameras, um, a lot of digital products that would enable and enhance their jobs. So we now um, partner with a lot of these companies that would then keep them in that digital space economy. So um, it's it's quite interesting. It's been interesting over the last one year, especially doing this during Corona, the peak of Corona, because we launched literally three, four months before Corona kicked yeah. in. So um, yeah, trying to find real find find problems. Um, find solutions for real problems that the gig economy faces and doing it simultaneously across three markets has been a, a very interesting journey as a female entrepreneur, I tell yeah. you that. Talking about uh, being a female entrepreneur and talking about women who are making a huge difference, Fade, you obviously, and you mentioned her earlier, Dr. Ngozi Onkonjo Iwela, who's now the uh, Director General of the World Trade Organization. What do you think the impact of that will be for the continent, for women on the continent, and certainly for small businesses as well? Um, Dr. Ingazi, um, being heading up the WTO, is just amazing. I think what that shows is that ceilings can be broken. Um, and I think that young African women need to see more women like this in these positions hold such prestigious positions because we then can I, I think it's representation is very important because once you then see somebody who looks like you it then becomes a lot more accessible and a lot more believable that you too can achieve 
So that is none other than Fada Unguro. She is an entrepreneur. She's the founder of a bookings platform called bookingsafrica.com. And it is running through Nigeria, South Africa and Kenya, focusing on small businesses. But as she says, moving uh, the informal sector into the formal sector. And obviously, this is a critical uh, question with regards to the gig economy. We know that in South Africa, that uh, the more people that pay tax, the more money we have in our system, apparently to make things work better and the like. It's 7.53.